Welcome to the High Ground Podcast. Today we are talking Revenge of the Sith, which uh, is is a, is a is a pretty important movie in Star Wars. It's a it's a, it's a good one. I, I recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, anyways, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I've brought on several new people, and we're all have have all the best Anakin stands ex, ex, uh, except Miss Eggie. Um, shout out to Miss Eggie. And yeah, we're just gonna have a lot of fun right here on the high ground. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome, welcome to the high ground. I, uh, yeah, I'm super excited because, you know, this is just a great movie, and I was really excited to especially bring Luke on and. Skid Space, I've been meaning to have you on for a long time, and it just hasn't happened yet. So, uh, same thing with you, Nick. But <laughs> I will have everyone go around and introduce themselves. Um, so, yeah, we can go around. And uh, I probably should have brought up my notes. I re had to restart my machine as well. But we'll go around and ask, you know, who are you? Where can we find your amazing content? And... Who do you hate in Star Wars? Who do you just have an irrational hatred of? Like, it doesn't have to, like, be an obvious, because I know everyone hates Pong Krell, but is there a character that it's just, I don't know what it is. They, they need to, someone needs to take him out. I'll hire Boba Fett, um, a young Boba Fett. Older one's gone soft on it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll start with you, uh, Skid Space. And also, okay, what do you hi. want me to call you as well? Um, Sid, Skid, either one of those really works. I'm not picky, but hi, I'm Sid or Skid uh, Space. Um, I go by Skid Space pretty much everywhere on the internet, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, but we don't talk about that place. Um, we don't uh, did talk you want about Tumblr, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that you will for be that. in my head for the rest of the night. <laughs> um, did you want me to answer the the hatred question? Yes. Like off the bat. Okay. Cool. Um, I have to go with Maul. I do not know what it is about him. Like he's an amazing character. He's an amazing villain. He's part of like a really interest. They did something really interesting with bringing him back and his arc, but. Every time that he would show up again, it was like I had the strongest desire to just punch him in the face. Because it was it was Clone Wars, and then he came back for Rebels, and I remember screaming, no, not again, at my screen. There's just something about Darth Maul that, that, that triggers my fight-on-sight response. <laughs> I like how it's not even a fight-or-flight. It's fight-on-sight. It's just... Mm -hmm. Just sheer violence. <laughs> it's um, that strong of an urge. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I, I love it. Um, uh, how about you, Luke? Hi, my name is Luke. Uh, I am one half of the Pod Ones podcast. Uh, you can find us on TikTok at the Pod Ones podcast, uh, Twitter at Pod Ones podcast, and on Instagram at the Pod Ones pod. We are currently going through the entire series of the Clone Wars. That's what we do every Thursday. Um, and the person that I hate the most in Star Wars, it's hard because I really don't have anybody that I like genuinely dislike, which is an interesting one. 
Um, but I would either have to say, well, the easy one would definitely be Poncrell because F Poncrell because he's the worst. <laughs> but um, from the honestly from the sequels, I'd probably say Hux. Not a fan of Hux. Just not a fan of Frindle. You know. I like him, but he's very punchable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's like he's like the the sequel version of Tarkin, but Tarkin was so much better. Like he's like a he's like a he's a lesser Tarkin. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wants to be Tarkin, but he's just not. Yes. Like exactly. my knuckles would feel really good on your face. <laughs> I, just, I just need it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. How about you, Nick? Hi, I'm Nick uh, on TikTok, uh, codename Fulcrum, um, and then uh, on Instagram is Nick underscore codename underscore Fulcrum. Uh, but uh, most Star Wars stuff is is all TikTok. Everything else is my dance stuff. Um, the person that I well, I had to think about this because at first, like, yeah, there was different rounds, right? Like throughout your life of like people you kind of dislike. You know, like at first when Empire came out because I was actually alive for that. Then I was like, not. I was kind of like disliking Lando and then Return of the Jedi comes out and then love him. But uh, I would say the person that I have a hatred for would be Masamita. Like, I just look at him and, like, I just, like, doesn't really say much of anything, but I just hate him so much. I look at his face <laughs> and I'm like, I hate you. You just stand there. You stand there with a the stick. That's all you do. And you occasionally lean over and whisper. But I, I just, yeah, very punchable. Very punchable. <laughs> And last but certainly not least, how about you, Xanthi? Um, am I supposed to introduce myself first? I'm Xanthi from yes. Star Wars Music Minute. Um, and irrational hatred. Um, I really can't say hatred, but, you know, the ones that I, that just, anno that have always annoyed me are Maul when he comes back. Love, like, love. I just, uh, Maul coming back, we just never really got, to, did it for me. Neither did Savage Opress. Even less so. It's the <laughs> name, not, really. I was not into that thing. I, I was not into that at all. And I was, and I, I hate to say it, but I was not into the Night Sisters stuff, stuff either. Um, but other than that, I would say the Mayor Makshayiz's um, person, not him himself, but his, um, you know, what's it, what's he called? Do you the, know what the, I mean? The, the major domo. Yeah. Oh, the major domo. That's right. The major domo is definitely one of them. Um, <laughs> I just can't. I can't. Um, I can't deal with. Can't deal with the major Delmo. Um, so See, yeah. I loved him. Really, but it was like I loved him so much because it would be fun to punch him yeah. in the face. There's like such a dynamic between like hatred punch and I love you punch. You know, what I mean? yeah, yeah. that's how I feel about the major Delmo. So thinking about it, I, I think another one underrated is Emerald Piet, and I love it when Vader just chokes him out like ends his life i don't know yeah. i just say because he's a moron he's like the biggest moron out there and and and, and i'm just like screw you yet like you deserve <gasps> that i'm seeing some in chat first of all i don't actually understand the i don't really know what it feels like for someone to be punchable or i don't really under, understand i don't understand that feeling so maybe a character just still hasn't um come for me yet but i see arinda price in the chat and i see gascon in the chat and First of all, Gascon confuses me because the like the shape of his like body and like the size of him and the his voice box and I just don't understand how he has enough of a resonance chamber to produce <laughs> the sound that comes out of his voice. Like it, I just am perplexed looking at him. Like I mean, I'm a sound and music person, so I, I look at him and I'm just like, 
um, this, the suspension of disbelief, like I just have to suspend so much disbelief knowing that that little thing can produce that voice. I just, it just, I'm, it really confuses me. However, the droid arc in the Clone Wars is my favorite, is my favorite arc. It's like some of my favorite stuff ever. There I love, I love that droid arc. I think it's so like. You and yeah. George. <laughs> me and George. I, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm an experiment. I went to an experimental art school, so that checks out. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gascon. Love it. Awesome. Uh, I I got lots of awesome uh, people commenting in the chat as well. We have oh Mara Jade's another one. Sorry. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, we got more talk for uh, um. For Masamita, I just yeah, hung it up and like my, my brain just turned off. Keanu um, Moody. Element, yeah. thank you for reminding me that because I hate that man with a passion. The like only good thing he does is the Geonosis arc. That's the only useful thing. And I will live on that hill. Or die on that hill. Either way. Uh, for me, my... Oh, I have uh, Curly Copperworks that uh, for a while was Wrecker in the Clone Wars before the Bad Batch. Oh. Bad Batch changed your mind. So. Oh. Yeah, the whole Bad Batch in the Clone Wars was, didn't, was also like, eh, eh, whatever to me. At first, <laughs> like until the show. Yeah. Um, and then for me, my big one, and the reason I, I brought this up is because um, a Boba Fett reminded me of it. I, I just, I just freaking hate um, Bib Fortuna. Just oh. as, as a child, he terrified me. Like his face. I was a little kid watching Return of the Jedi, and it was just like, I hate that guy. Like I don't want him. <laughs> and I, I very vividly remember going into like Toys R Us, and all of the good toys were taken, and it was all action figures of Bib Fortuna, and I just. Like, he won't leave me alone. It's so traumatic. <laughs> Man. He, he, and to this day, whenever Chaco hears me want a wonga, he just like turns around. Is, is he here? Me do he not want a wonga. Me very much do not want a wonga. Um, uh, so we're, we're all here to, to talk about Revenge of the Sith. Uh, this was a big event. Do you, do you guys remember your first time seeing it? Was was it a big event for you? Do you have is there any major memories associated with it? I even even it's not like opening weekend, but just your your good feels that are associated with this film. Um, I'm gonna go to uh, to Nick first. Uh, well, because when uh, the prequels came out, I was in college, uh, and then by the time uh, this came out, Revenge of the Sith, I was I was after. So like the Phantom Menace hit at that point, at that age, where like I wasn't quite the right age for it. Uh, but by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, like that was like kind of the maturity of that and the darkness of that. It it just it hit so much harder. And like by by the time like Battle of Heroes and the final battles are hitting, like you're just like the depth of that and the the weight of the galaxy. Um, so I just remember that, just kind of being being in awe of of that whole that whole fight scene, like things that you always wanted, like Yoda against the Emperor, and yeah. and uh, yeah, I just the just the the heaviness of it all, and knowing where it's going too, and seeing all this like devolve, and knowing that you're not just going to get some happy ending. 
Um, yeah. that, that's definitely really what, what hit hard that first time around. Awesome. I love it. How, how about you? How about you, Xanthi? Also, really quick, Xanthi, I have to apologize to you. I, I was like, are you? Are you? I had, I, wor I work in the financial industry. It's tax season. My brain is just fried constantly. <laughs> and so I looked at my messages and I had the entire message written out to you and I never sent it. And it's so right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I thought they would respond faster. And it's, it's all me. I'm, I'm really sorry. Anyways. <laughs> it's all good. I do. I was, you were like, did you get my message? And I was like, no. And then I followed up. I was like, I should probably have like, I should probably have like followed up <laughs> more than just saying no. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it yeah. is, Don't you're worry. here, we're here and it's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, what was it like when you, when you saw this movie? I mean, I know you have so a cat I named Anakin. Yep. I have a cat named Anakin. Um, nice. I, for my brother, like my brother and I saw it together and I don't remember if my dad dropped us off or if he just sat in the back of the theater and let, or, or something. Um, but we went to our local theater at midnight and it was the first time that we had gone to, it was a, you know, our first time being allowed to go at midnight and my brother and I had so we we were we had this, the hype leading up to it was just we were not okay like we <laughs> we both to this day like cite Revenge of the Sith as the single most impactful like momentous powerful like epic like emotional movie going experience of our lives and of course it, and it would be hard to beat that also because we were at a sweet spot for age but like. Also, we were just, it was like the most tremendous movie going experience for both of us. We were like both a wreck. So it was a very good experience. <laughs> very powerful. That's awesome. I, I love it. And um, what you said? So I was seven when Revenge of the Sith came out. And that period in like my early childhood it's so blurry regarding star wars because there i literally don't have a point in my life that i remember first seeing a star wars movie that's how long i like the movies have been a part of my life um so revenge of the sith exists in this very nebulous time frame for me where my understanding of that uh, time period of Star Wars actually comes more from the Clone Wars TV show so that the TV show actually contextualizes Revenge of the Sith more for me personally than the actual movie does in some weird ways so um, I don't know it's just it, for for many many years of my life all Star Wars was just Star Wars and that was enough for me so <laughs> Revenge of the Sith is just it's just another Star Wars movie and I love Star Wars so of course I'm gonna love it no matter no matter what anybody else releases uh, and uh Luke I made you go last for a reason because I, I I got I got the vibes of like I'm gonna get hit with a freight train here um so I was 10 when this movie came out um I remember watching so um, I don't, I know, I know probably most of us are remember this, but do you guys remember the behind the scenes that they would do? 
like on StarWars.com, they would show like oh. bits and pieces, like the live camera or whatever. Live camera. I don't remember. I would come home. That. I would come home from school every day and watch that. And then when the trailer, the first trailer dropped, like it was, I was mind blown. I was like, but now, like looking back on it now, I'm like, God, I was oblivious. They showed us the entire film. <laughs> the entire film. Can I ask what was the what was the live cam showing? So it, it basically was like them filming the movie. But like it was showed like, them on set? Yeah, it was on set. Like they had it live streamed. They did it for all three movies. And they had it streaming on StarWars.com. Yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty It was a different time. Oh, it was a different time. It was before people cared about that. spoilers, you know? Um, you know, movie novelizations used to come out before the movie. You know? Oh yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that the Revenge of the Sith novelization came out, and so did the video game. The video yeah. game came out a week before, and Battlefront Two came out what two years before, or around the same time. So we got a little bit of what was going to happen in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. So like it was just nuts. So I remember going to that. I I actually, it's a funny story. So. Uh, my next door neighbors were like, Hey, we're going to go see the new star Wars movie. Do you want to go? And I was like, yes, I do. And the mom was like, okay, you got to make sure that it's okay with your mother first. And like, I didn't ask my mom and I was like, yeah, she said it was okay. Let's, let's go do this. <laughs> I lost my damn mind. Just lost my damn mind. Like the, like, yes, it's depressing. Now looking back on it now, it is probably the most depressing star Wars movie to ever come out. Like I, 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 Empire comes close, but like the the parts, the events that happen in uh, in uh, Revenge of the Sith are are hard hitting. Um, but like when I came home, I ended up getting grounded for a day, and then my mom ended up ended up wanting to go to it as well. So we just went it to the next went <laughs> to it like the the next day. I wasn't grounded, but like that. I mean, and that stuck with me. So whenever whenever I would go to my grandparents house i would make my little cousin uh do the choreography with me for the the battle of the heroes and to this day like we still talk about that like we joke around and stuff like that so like this movie is is a big deal it's it's always been a big deal um but yeah can you still do the choreography that's my question um (laughs) i i i i can so funny thing and i might I noticed something rewatching it now that is so like important to the story. Um, I, it was just a small detail. I I'd never thought of this before, but when during that battle, Obi Wan is never really on the offensive, mm-hmm. even to the moment where he ends up. He's the last warning of the high ground. That's the moment he decides to uh, okay, I'm done. I'm I'm ending this. But like literally the entire time, he is never the aggressor. He's always on the defense. And I was like, damn, Obi-Wan. He... Emotional damage, my guy. Emotional damage. <laughs> but yeah, that was my first experience with it. I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder what it would be like to be your parent. of like, yeah, he snuck out and didn't ask. What did he go do? Saw Revenge of the Sith? And you're like... <laughs> well, at that time, it was, the first, it was the first Star Wars to be a PG-13. So you have a parent oh. go with you. Hmm. So, oh, like... And that's why my that's my neighbor wanted, and I'm sure they laugh about it now. But sorry, mom. Uh, like, it, <laughs> I, 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 you should have seen this coming. 
but <laughs> I know I just I always just wonder that type of stuff about being a parent when you're like I respect yeah. this move this it was a power play <laughs> like, I gotta I gotta pretend like I, like one time when I was in I, I got in a fight at school when I was little but I didn't start it the kid like sucker punched me and and I and I I, I beat the hell out of that kid um and I felt so guilty about it that I threw up in my next class. <laughs> and so and so I went to I went to uh, they told me to go to the bathroom. And instead of going to the bathroom, I went to the office and I told the principal what I had done. So like I told on myself because I, I just felt so and then then they sent me home and then my, I told my dad and then my dad gave me twenty bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That is the power play right there, Chaco. That's the power play. Um, um, all right. But real, so, yeah, go real ahead. quick, Chaco. Uh, just want to shout out Far Far Away Factory. Brooke, she does amazing work. Go get this yes. uh, this uh, Battle of the Heroes uh, sweatshirt. And she's got them in t-shirts. And she's got some other Revenge of the Sith merch that she's going to be dropping soon, so you won't want to miss out on it, especially for Anakin's dance. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Yeah, always always shouting out Far, Far Away Factory. Brooke is an incredible artist, and, like, all of her stuff is just is just top-notch. Mm -hmm. um, so so we, also, we want this to be conversational, you know, now that we're getting into the film, so feel free to jump out uh, and, and say whatever. I just separated this into into acts. Um, I'm calling first act is you know this is where the fun begins to the you're sounding like a separatist. Um, so yeah, the whole opening scene, which is like my favorite opening scene in, in all the Star Wars, it, it just right into looks serene and then it's just chaos and battle. I love it. Um, that's that's one of like the first notes I I had down. Was because okay. So full disclosure, there was a point I hit in my late teens that I became a the the prequel suck person. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, well, they don't really suck. They're just Star Wars movies. That like, um, but this is the first time I've watched Revenge of the Sith in a while. So I was actually really shocked with how much I enjoyed myself watching it this time around. So that is one of the first notes I have is that that the shot of just the lone Jedi star cruiser and then immediately shifting down to see the chaos of like, like tons and tons of cruisers, tons and tons of ships, all the chaos around it. That was such a, an incredible use of like camera movement and suspension right off the bat. So. Oh yeah. I, like honestly, the, it's, it's one of my favorite space battles. Because they're it like like for a kid that had ADHD, so like sitting in the theater, like I was just like blown away. I was like, oh, oh my god, there's so much going on. I don't know what to focus on, because literally, like the the movement. Because you think like you see that for you see the Stardust, you see the Venator fly over, and it's very like much like uh, a New Hope kind of, and then you hear the the drums play, which ironically, and Xanthi probably knows this. Uh, it's the first ever time we hear drums used in like an opening sequence, um, because George really wanted the doom doom. He always wanted something like that in like an in Star Wars, and that's that's what they used. And I thought that was like mind blowing that they had never yeah. done that before. 
That, yeah, that's very, um, like, 2001 Space Odyssey kind of, like, setup of expectation of, like, the grandioseness of, of the scene with, like, the, the drums and everything. That's really interesting, actually. Which George Lucas cites as being the greatest sci-fi movie of all time. Yes. I don't agree. It's weird to me, but that's okay. Oh, go ahead, Nick. <laughs> uh, 2001? Oh, yeah. I have trouble getting through that. Like, yeah, okay, it might have been for its time, but, like, over time, no. It's, it's so slow. Um, but I do think, yeah, Revenge of the Sith is probably, probably the best opening of, of all the Star Wars movies. Like, so many of the others just kind of copy A New Hope. Uh, but this one actually takes it a step further. And getting, getting this on Star Tours, anytime you're on Star Tours and you get this moment in it and, and going through that battle scene, it's kind of the best thing ever. But um, and but the really getting the first time to see uh, Anakin and Obi Wan have that playfulness back and forth, yeah, like nice. really seeing that being matured and and getting that, uh, it, it really just kind of sets the tone for for the entire movie. But I I love seeing their back and forth and I love getting that, and that it got expanded on in Clone Wars. Um, but yeah, it's the the sereneness going into the battle. Um, at first. Uh, like like all the new droids that you're you're seeing coming up in that like you're like what the what is this what are these little bubbles and now they're popping up vulture droids what's going on um uh is is really really interesting so every new star wars introduces something new um but there's so much to process in that first five minutes uh that like once you see it over and over again uh it, it becomes a lot easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh your, your thoughts uh Xanthi? Are we talking just about the opening? No, no. So we're talking opening all the way through. We're talking about the first act. We're talking first act. We okay. won't focus on the opening, but we'll we'll, we'll keep talking a little bit more. <laughs> I'm so bad at like at the linear progression of stories. <laughs> like I couldn't even tell you where the first act ends. Yeah. So I'm I'm calling it right before the um, Darth Plagueis the Wise speech. So. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think Revenge of the Sith, it, it does so much. Um, okay, in terms of showing the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan, I think the, I think Attack of the Clones already shows like a significant, um, I don't know, maturation of their relationship, obviously. And something that i don't know if other people will agree with me but what i get from them in revenge of the sith which is still quite a bit i mean obviously they now i feel like they're brothers in this one i feel like the clone wars cartoon doesn't really add much for me in terms of their relationship like i feel like what revent what i got from revenge of the sith what i get from revenge of the sith already covers the same things that I have that are just shown more in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like sometimes the extra materials like novelizations or cartoons or whatever will fill in gaps like perceptual gaps for me. And other times it, it just feels like it it's fun, but it isn't filling a gap. It's like the source material already did it for me. It just it just feels like it's treading, it's just belaboring the point, not in a bad way 
at all. But um, yeah, and and I find it, I always find it strange. I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not like talk. I guess I'm a little bit off topic. But I find it strange when people talk about the Clone Wars, which is, which is just a show I like very much. Um, talk about the Clone Wars as filling in like gaps that they needed to have filled in before Revenge of the Sith. Like for me, I don't. I didn't need the Clone Wars to make me on board with Revenge of the Sith already. Um, <laughs> but for some people. I guess they do. Or like it helps them like the prequels better. For me, it doesn't. It just, I already like them. So it's just cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting point. Cause, um, a lot of, I guess I'm in the opposite camp then, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I, I think it, I, the problem I have with like the prequels in general is that when it doesn't really make sense to me when Obi-Wan in A New Hope is like, we we were close, but we only got in in we only got Revenge of the Sith to see like that interaction because a lot of Attack of the Clones is them bickering back and forth and Anakin trying to prove himself and Obi Wan saying stay in line and stuff like that. So I feel like we see that we see yes we see that relationship in, in Attack of the Clones, but like I feel like they build on that quote that Obi Wan says in A New Hope in the Clone Wars. You get to see more of that brotherly relationship build and progress, I guess. Absolutely. But don't you see it in Revenge of the Sith, too? Yeah, but it's like it, you, you, if you only watch the movies, you see that progression, you're just like, okay, so they went from being at each other's throats to, like, being brothers, you know? I guess it just makes more context, I guess? I don't know. Okay, yeah, for me... I, oh. Uh, just just say, uh, f for me... They, they told us in Revenge of the Sith, and, and then we did get to see it, but um, but feeling it and living through it does does help. You know, I'm, but it's hard to say, because I, I, at this point in time, I'm, I'm unable to rewatch without the added context already in my brain, but I feel like for a lot of people, um, there was so much like vitriol and hate surrounding the prequels in general that I, I think a lot of people look back and like, like subconsciously this makes it okay for them to like it you know yeah oh i hated it back then mm -hmm. but but now it's 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 good and you're like no you always liked it search your feelings you know it to be true <laughs> yeah for, yeah for for me it wasn't really like i did i never really hated the prequels for like when they first came i was seven i didn't know what hating a movie was like um <laughs> I never really like hated the prequels or Revenge of the Sith, um, but like I said, the the context in which the prequels existed in my mind for so long was the Clone Wars, because it was like actively happening on. I was the exact target audience for that show when it first came out, because Revenge of the Sith came out in two thousand five, Clone Wars premiered in two thousand eight. Um, so it was just like years and years and years of being with this ver these versions of these characters mm -hmm. that it, it was very much like uh, almost like tonal whiplash seeing the, the years and seasons and uh, like countless examples of Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship in the Clone Wars to seeing it 
just kind of mentioned and thrown in here and there for me personally with Revenge of the Sith. It almost felt like this is getting like way far ahead in my notes and like this is like more closing thought thing. But for like even still to, like to this day kind of Clone Wars Anakin and movie Anakin, specifically Revenge of the Sith Anakin, feel like two completely different characters. Like I, I kind of agree. Yeah, like live action Obi-Wan and Clone Wars Obi-Wan, they still feel like different versions of the same character. But Clone Wars Anakin and live action Anakin, they could be com they could have completely different names and I wouldn't know that they were supposed to be like the same character who led to Darth Vader and all that. But that's just because I have complicated feelings about Anakin Skywalker in general. Um Well, yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah. Here's the thing, like I think Clone Wars I think Clone Wars Anakin, like I like, I don't like Clone Wars Anakin nearly as much. Like I don't like Anakin in the Clone Wars, or Pat or Padme. I think that like what the Clone Wars cartoon shows us in their relationship, like makes me like it even less. Like I like I like how it is in the movies, and I feel like the Clone Wars is something that's harder for me to like. I fill in the gaps because that's what I do, but like the extra context like does nothing for me. It almost feels like watching something different. Um, I agree there's more, con it feels like there's more continuity with Obi-Wan, but like, I feel like for me, I don't, this kind of reminds me of our high ground, or, sorry, not a high, our dyad discussion about the High Republic, Chaco, mm -hmm. where like my whole thing is, I, I actually don't like when things are spelled out, <laughs> like when there's a lot of detail and like a whole other extra, like I'll watch it for fun, but like I, like to just read the subtext and I don't like when that becomes like such a big thing where it then it it's like doesn't feel special to me anymore when it's such when it's made when it's uh made into a concrete thing but on the plus side is that people who don't read the same subtext as me that then when when it they actually make it a concrete thing then it kind of gets people to I don't know more on the same page like I already felt I because in the Revenge of the Sith like we see this development of their friendship and I believe it like I just I didn't need any help believing it like I didn't need to see the steps they took to get there I just made the leap of like okay a few years have passed this is where they're at now wow how cool that that's, that's I, I totally I, I completely agree with you that it, it it is very cool to see the scenes that portray Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship in the movie like that. Um, my biggest issue with those scenes, though, is that it feels like they're sandwiched between scenes that kind of do the opposite of that. And I know that might be the point to show, like, this this inner struggle that Anakin is dealing with, but it it's very, like it really takes me out of the the feel like understanding their relationship with how they chose to portray that inner struggle within Anakin and um and what you said about subtext was really interesting too because there are a lot of scenes and like there's a lot of dialogue in Revenge of the Sith that I feel like is pretty much on the nose like they're just showing us they're not or they're no scratch that out they're telling us and not really showing us 
which kind of removes any need for reading into subtext because there's like for the, just like with my own personal viewing experience of these movies over the years um it's it, it's it's almost like there's nothing to read into because they're it, it that that's just like what it is and what we're told yeah. that is we're told it's happening but we can't from from my own per like blah, blah, blah. sorry um from my personal experience of viewing the movies it's hard to get invested in the characters and the dynamic without the context of the clone wars because that's really where i saw the subtext of their relationships play out because they kind of because i got to just see them interact more in every uh, like everyday situations and instances like the we were just talking about um the opening and like seeing obi-wan and anakin's dynamic the scene where they are in the elevator and it stops and they're kind of like going back and forth is just peak obi-wan and anakin dynamic like they're they're brothers yeah, obi-wan is supposed to be the older one he jumps out the thing and they're just like going back and forth it's funny it's engaging it makes you like the characters and it makes you like the relationship that they have together yeah, i love it but that, to me, that's like the only time we ever get to see that relationship really play out between the two. Um, and there's like little instances here and there like after that that kind of harken back to that moment. Like that, like that, they must have like gotten lightning in a bottle in the writer's room with that scene. And then they just like, all right, we have like a whole other two hours to fill out of these two interacting. Um, what, what else we got? What else we got? So that's that's kind of where I fall short in Obi-Wan and Anakin's relationship in this movie is that it feels far and in between of those genuine moments where we are shown their relationship instead of just told their relationship. This Question. goes back to Yeah, sorry. Does it feel like does it feel does it not feel like we're just witnessing like their relationship devolve like it makes sense that that moment happens at the beginning of the movie and then we see the progressive fracturing of their relationship because to me the clone wars it doesn't show subtext to me the clone wars makes subtext text <laughs> it's like the opposite but i i feel like in revenge of the sith and there is no logical answer to this like i think it just worked like i'm whatever i get in my first viewing is like the emotional reaction that I have is what guides like everything else. Like there is no logic, there's no like proper logic to, you know, how I feel about it. In, uh, oh yeah, totally. Oh. And, and I, can't, I can't explain why it doesn't click for me. Cause it okay. just doesn't. And why like Clone Wars clicks so much better. And it, that, that can go back to just like storytelling tactics. Like George's storytelling tactics have been discussed at length over the years <laughs> among the star wars fandom and yeah, yeah and the way that like dave filoni and those writers and those animators chose to tell to tell that story and that dynamic is fundamentally different than how george would have told it so like different story like, like different narrative voices different storytelling voices come through in both shows or the shows and the the movies in revenge of the sith um, 
so yeah, it's, it's just there's no there's no logical explanation. <laughs> well, I mean, it and it, it, it all it does harken back to like George having full creative control on one and having a team of people on the other. So it is going to feel different. But um, before we we move on to the the next section, I also want to do quick hits because. Rewatching this, I really there's so much that I didn't realize happened in the first section of the movie. Like mm -hmm. there are things I thought happened much, much later. Yeah. So just just real quick, if you guys have any any notes on on the furthering of um of, of, of Anakin and Padme's relationship, um, uh, <laughs> no, that's because I'm so in love with you. Oh, good God! So I, love is I, blinded I, you. That's uh, that's. that's <laughs> That's uh, like they tried to be cute. Just if you wanted to write that, George, let a woman write that. What that scene was trying to accomplish was very genuine and it is very integral to the dynamic between it makes Padme and Anakin, but it's Anakin just not executed no game. very well. It, he's got no game. Like, like Padme has to teach well, him doesn't. everything. He was right, raised, look how he was raised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so look at Obi-Wan. He's flirting with everybody who crosses sabers with him. Listen, <laughs> Obi-Wan is an anomaly. He, he is not yeah. the rule, okay? Let's not... No, yeah, no, no, I, no you're right. <laughs> pulls off a mullet in a way yes. no human should. And yes. by that alone, so, you know... <laughs> like I like I was like telling like every single time this gets brought up like it's always that tree Qui Gon player status Obi Wan what does that even, even mean? higher Obi Wan even better and then you get Anakin it's like what went wrong man you had he fell in love he fell in love with the first girl he saw and it like he just like decided at the very end like yep there's no point in really looking at other girls anymore so yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's dialogue, he's dialogue. He's demisexual. Yeah. 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 I have. Go ahead. It's a, I feel like I feel like there's nothing wrong. No, you go ahead. I have nothing to add to this conversation except that it doesn't. Again, like the punching thing. I just. They all. It wasn't even mean for someone to have game. And what? And what does it matter? Who cares? <laughs> Like, I, I game doesn't matter. It's it's He's the dialogue mostly, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Hayden Christensen no. is really pretty in this movie. <laughs> yes. He's so pretty. Uh, 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 but also, I, I want to mention too, because in, in this first section, we also get you know he ha he first has a dream about me dying. Yeah. He talks to Yoda about it. Um, we also get uh, the take a seat. Um, you know, Whoa. all that happens in this first little section, but it caps off, and I, I love the ending of it because this is Padme saying, What if the democracy we've been defending no longer exists? And and, and she's right, like she starts yeah. to see this whole thing transforming, and that I, that moment always hits me really hard. And I, I forgot all of this happens in the first yeah. bit of the movie. It's, in, it's uh, insane. Like that, like the whole first half, like, yes, there's a ton going. Like the beginning scene, Anakin, uh, well, uh, we see like the beginning of the fall of Anakin, obviously by killing Dooku. And then you see him with his, the, the, the problem with Anakin always is as a character, he always tries to save everybody. He's, his attachment is to the people that he loves. So right there off the bat, that's, that's the next thing. Oh, he has to worry about a child now and Padme and then he gets the, the, the dreams again 
Um, but like, like, and think about this, Chaco. Even in that first, like, in the deleted scenes, there are the 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 meaning of the, the is it the two thousand or the three thousand delegation of the two thousand? I think it is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's also happening there, and in those deleted scenes. Padme asks or is talking to the senators and is like, we can trust the Jedi. And it's like, they're like, what Jedi are we going to talk to? And, and Padme's like, I got one. And it's like, you find out with the rest of the movie, it's like, that's probably not the way you wanted to go. I probably would have chosen Obi Wan, to be honest, in that point. But like, yeah. well, I mean, and that's that's what it was in the novelization. She realized she was thinking of Obi Wan, not, not Anakin, yes. oh. um, in that moment. And in the novelization. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Nick. I was just going to say, like, but seeing Anakin getting hit from all angles, right? Because he, like, he's getting hit with, like, all the, you know, uh, fear, hate, anger, jealousy. Like, he's getting hit from all angles, like, because he's got the jealousy with the being on the council but not being a master. He's got uh, Padme and his obsession with, with her. And you see that in that scene, like, I'm so in love with you. And then you've got the kid to worry about and the fear with the dreams. And you see them getting hit from all sides. And then, of course, you see Anakin and Obi-Wan giving the may the force be with you and saying goodbye to each other oh. kind of for the for the last real time as like, you know, master and apprentice. And you, you have that all at the same time. And now Obi-Wan's not there to kind of help balance him out at all. And that yeah. all in that first section is uh, it's just the entire setup for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I feel like Anakin. Um, a lot of the the choices that he makes or at least like the things that he verbalizes they really are gut reactions of self-preservation because at one point um like anything that threatens anakin's personal worldview or anakin's perception of what should happen he immediately has something to say about it and he immediately not deflects, but he immediately is ready to deny that because Anakin's worldview and Anakin's perception of how the world works and how things should be is so fragile at this point in his life because of the years of manipulation from Palpatine um, and other reasons, but something like, whatever, um, that... I have a lot of quotes from Anakin that like written down of him like wildly vacillating between the the hero of the Jedi, the chosen one, things somebody that will like protect and bring balance to the force, a grade A hero. And then immediately he'll flip to like blaming everyone around him, not be being willing to take responsibility or see things from other perspectives. Um like I wrote down that after he's given the assignment to, to spy on Palpatine, he goes, you're asking me to do something against the Jedi Code, and then next to that, I have Anakin, you decapitated a defenseless old man yesterday. What about the Tusken Raiders? <laughs> huh? Come on, man. That's sure that fine. was a couple years ago, though, so who's thinking? <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting, and that it, the love is blinded you thing is, is another one of the the reasons I don't like Anakin good and reasons I don't like Anakin bad <laughs> columns because the love is blinded you it's kind of it kind of just makes me roll my eyes again like the concept is important 
I get what they were trying to do with that scene to like show this this um, wall and understanding of how Anakin perceives his relationship with Padme and how Padme perceives his her relationship with Anakin. But it really fell flat in the delivery and the execution of it. Versus right after that, Anakin's dream sequence of Padme dying in childbirth. And then their conversation after that is so genuine. And they sound like an actual couple working through yes. this struggle that he's going through. Yes. And it's it's such a it's such a useful and impactful moment of dialogue and like character work that we see for uh, Anakin and Padme. So that, that this goes back to the tonal whiplash I feel watching this movie. Yeah. Um, but that's just one of the scenes that I feel like really um, it it accomplishes better. What it accomplishes better, what the love has blinded you scene was trying to do. I feel like, yeah, yep. I can see that. All right, let's uh, let's jump forward to to the, the middle section here. And god, so much, so much happens. Um, I wanted to start this with, with Anakin, you know, having the conversation, uh, with, with Palpatine where he hears about Darth Plagueis the Wise and is it possible to learn this power? Um, and at the same time, this is this is when you know Obi Wan is is heading off to to Utapau, and there's there's all this uh, all these shenanigans going on. Um, what what jumps out at you guys from from this middle section here? The fact that Palpatine manipulated the Jedi into leaving their having their best Jedi leave the Jedi Temple at the moment that he wanted to, them to. Because think about it. Yoda's gone, Obi-Wan's gone, and I mean, Mace is there, but like, like that's that's it. Like, the two power players in this whole thing are off-world. So now, the ones that can really talk Anakin down, Obi-Wan, is off on a mission, and Palpatine purposely made it that way. He knew that the Council wasn't going to put Anakin in that position, which ult ultimately put him in this position of, like, oh, well, they don't trust me. And he's in. He's able to manipulate Anakin because that's he's 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 the ultimate villain because the manipulation of both sides and the way he does it is just fantastic, just incredible. How he was able to turn a whole Jedi Order against one person, or him to turn. Well, it's it's on both sides because not everybody. That there's no one party here that is wrong. Um, how he was able to turn the entire Senate and the entire Republic yes. against the Jedi. That goes to the end, but I, no, I yeah. have so many notes about um, instances of Palpatine being a master manipulator in the language that he uses. Um, because he constantly is using this like subjective morality language to seed this distrust into Anakin in every chance he gets, talking down the Jedi, saying that, like, they don't deserve you. What do they know? Like, I know you, Anakin. I know you. They don't know you. Why would you, like, don't you see what they're trying to do? Just over and over again to, to Anakin. And there was this really, um, there was this moment right before the Darth Plagueis, um, speech that really struck out to me because Palpatine is going back and forth of saying like, don't you know, like the Sith, 
they don't teach you what the Sith really believed. So how do you even know that the Jedi are right? And Anakin says like wholeheartedly, the Jedi are selfless. They only think about other people. And there's, there was a moment where I genuinely believed that Anakin did believe that about the Jedi, that somewhere deep down, he does believe that about the Jedi. And you can kind of see that on Palpatine's face because Anakin says that to him and Palpatine doesn't have anything in response to that. That's, so he completely shifts gears and talks about Darth Plagueis the Wise. He realizes he can't... He's hit a wall in attacking Anakin's um, relationship with the Jedi. So he switches gears to Anakin's other weakness, which is preserving Padme's life with the Darth Plagueis story. Yep. Uh, rewatching it, I also it was watching that scene, like, counting the fallacies of, of like... Oh, and, and the Jedi do not? Oh, he's like, the Jedi don't trust me. And it's like, yeah. Nor do they trust democracy. And you're like, for that matter. That's a yeah. hell of a leap, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Well, it's he, yeah, he the ultimate gaslighter. Yeah. Like every, yeah. like everything he like everything he creates, he he turns it against somebody else. So he creates all these instances, he creates all these conflicts, and he and he will he'll turn it around like that. That idea of the the Sith uh, when Anakin says, uh, "Oh, the Sith um, only care about themselves and only care about power," and he turns it around and the Jedi don't, and, like asking the questions, like you know, like, "Oh, are they really that selfless? Uh, they're just selfless because they're just doing it for themselves." You know, it's that ultimate uh, flip, like turning turning those words around. And he does it for every single instance uh, in in that section. And, and I know it's, it's we're a little bit past it, but I think my favorite example is putting Anakin on the council. Yes, Anakin oh. was not. Anakin was Palpatine's proxy on the council. If you are someone's proxy, you don't get a vote yourself. He put him in a position where he would be on the council, but he really couldn't be made master. You know, and and it's I don't know. It's just such such genius little little plays here and there. Um, the thing about Anakin is he knows, like, he knows how special he is. Like, he knows that he's really, really talented. And obviously, he has all of these skills and he knows that he can outshine his, you know, master in many ways. Um, and I feel like wi a whiplash type of personality or a way of reacting to the world, I guess, is a better way to put it only makes sense in that context because he has no sense of order really like sure there is the jedi order like he has he has that for some sense of stability i guess that he has that for some sense of rules and in his i'm sure in his training and in his relationship like there is some sense of like protocol that he's following but we don't see anyone we don't see contemporaries of him and we see younglings and we see masters, but we don't like really see other people his age who are, we don't see other like Padawan relationships in, you know, in the film. So he really is kind of in a class of his own. And since everything about his existence as in the Jedi, in the Jedi order has been a special case, has been an exception, has been, you know, like an, a weird situation. Um, things perpetually are set up to feel unfair. 
because there's nothing to compare it to. Like, you know, if you're in a class, like if, if you're in a class with a ton of other Jedi and you know that this is just what happens if you don't find a kyber crit, you just know this is what happens. If you, you have a clearer established sense of order, like established sense of the way that things go and what the consequences for certain things are. And so while Anakin is like surely treated like harshly sometimes like he can't also he doesn't have a clear like meter like measuring stick to see when he's also being treated like exceptionally in a good way either so it must be very jarring um to have no precedence to have like he's just kind of floating in space like everything feels personal to him because it is there is it is personal like everything's an exception and everything's like sometimes they'll bend the rules and sometimes not. So I think it must be a very like tremendously difficult space to be in. No, yeah. yeah like and we you were always see him like having to humble himself. He's always like intentionally having to kind of pull himself back and humble himself. Like, oh, I'm sorry for, for getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry for like not respecting your teachings. Like he's always, he, he starts to move out and then he, because the Jedi Order has told him, he tries to come come back in and he's, yeah, he's like on that. the extremes and like yeah. he'll go like way off book and then and then kind of i guess like apologize but it's like oh my gosh mm -hmm. have you seen cinema therapies like uh video um their youtube channel and um they re like it's like a therapist and someone else and they react to movies and they kind of talk about like the psychology of characters well there's one i definitely recommend looking up I think the video is called Villain Therapy, Anakin Skywalker. And they talk about like what they talk about, you know, what might be going through his head. And um, they like analyze, analyze Anakin's character. And I think it, I think it's a very like fair video. That's yeah. And I think it, it, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with ourselves. Like it's not logical how we feel about like, how we have different differing feelings about the Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars. There's no logical way to how Anakin feels. That's just how he feels. Like, um, kind of going back to the things he was saying to Palpatine before the Darth Plagueis speech, um, he's kind of just repeating these teachings that he's been told by the Jedi Council for years. And maybe a part of him does believe it, but I don't think any part of him truly understands it. Because when he says the Sith only think inwardly about and only about themselves, um, he says that in a very othering way of like, I'm Anakin and these are the Sith and this is what they believe. And to me, that, that made me think that maybe Anakin... Like, Anakin loves deeply anakin cares about people and in anakin's mind he does not see his love for other people as selfish um because in his mind if uh if a sith only cares about themselves then they might not even be capable of love in anakin's mind but since anakin does love people which isn't selfish according to the teachings of like the Sith and the Jedi, then there's no way he could be, he could possibly be acting like a Jedi or that the way he is expressing his love and his feelings is bad or selfish in any way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love how St. Pat says Anakin is reaching his gifted kid burnout. <laughs> True. 
True. I mean, Xanthi hit it right on the head. Like, like there is no measuring stick for Anakin Skywalker. I mean, we get it in a Phantom Menace. Oh, he's got the highest midichlorian count. Like that. Like this is insane. And even to talk about like the Chosen One prophecy. So I think it's so funny how in Attack of the Clones, Obi Wan is the one that is like questioning the prophecy, and Mace and Yoda in Attack of the Clones are like, no. It's got to be true. It's got to be true. And then we fast forward three years, and it's completely the opposite. Like when they're on the gunship, and, and Obi Wan's like, "Is he not supposed to bring balance? Uh, destroy, the, bring balance to the Force?" And Mace goes, "So the prophecy says." And then Yoda has a, a prophecy misread could have been, and, but Obi Wan at that point is like all in. He's seen what Anakin has done in these three years uh, in, during the Clone Wars. Losing his limb to Count Dooku and just going through everything that's happened to him in the Clone Wars, like he's full in. I just think it's interesting that the comparison between those two is, especially for the chosen one, because like well, Dan said, there was no oh, yeah, measuring ahead. stick. There is no measuring stick for him because he's he's damned if he does, he's damned if he does, or damns damns if he didn't. You know what I mean? And like the difference between Anakin and Obi Wan, there is like Obi Wan you see in this movie is a true believer. He is a yeah. true believer in the Jedi and the Jedi Code. He's a true believer in the Republic. Like he, he is, he is all in. Like everything about uh, what they stand for, he is about. But Anakin questions everything. Oh, Every, yeah. Everything, the system, the Jedi. Like he's, he's always questioning all of it. Like you could really see that, uh, that battle there. Well, even in the Clone Wars, he doesn't use typical mm -hmm. Jedi words. He uses order. He doesn't use balance. Uh, I'm gonna bring order to to order. the Republic, right there. Right that that right there is like not Jedi at all, because if you think about it, the Jedi way is is to bring balance to the Force, whereas Anakin is very much like order, order this, order that, and, and I found whatever it, so it takes interesting. to get it done. Exactly. It's sort of just like his gifted kid thing, where it's like he and, knows that he he'll he'll do what he'll whatever he'll do the thing to get the a and whatever but he doesn't like care about having a deep understanding he's just yes. he's just doing it like he's he Absolutely. he'll say kind of the right thing like he'll whatever but he, but then he'll just be like now let's lightsabers out like, <laughs> like we're just kind of, yes. yeah where that's so where true. he shines and like i always like have said this throughout the prequels and um the original trilogy as well like anakin vader Anakin has never been a political, like he's never understood politics. He's never been a political person and he's not like that in the, in the prequels. He doesn't understand. He's fighting for the Republic because that's just what someone of his talent that's at that, at that point in history, that's what someone with his talent is doing um, because that's, that's how it's set up. In another era, he would probably be doing something else, but at that time, that's what the Jedi are doing. So that's what he's doing. He doesn't actually care. Like even when he talks to people, Padme and in Attack of the Clones like that conversation in the meadow is like it's like not even that serious like he says really sketchy things for sure but he doesn't he doesn't like believe it. he he he's saying it because he doesn't really understand like he's sort of like yeah d democracy d dictatorship like whatever works like he doesn't even want to get into it he doesn't and in the Clone Wars cartoon I, I think it kind of goes along I I, I feel the same way um, and then when he's Vader as well, like Tarkin's running the ship, like at no point is Vader like taking charge and talking about like the detailed stuff of the Death Star. He's like, he just takes side trips to go face Obi-Wan and to like do force, do more force stuff. 
He's just, and as the gift he's just to kid, he was always. <laughs> as as the gift to kid, he's always like, "Well, I've got power, and I can get things done." So that's just how he things wants to do stuff. Get cause done because he, he can't. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like if I'm the chosen one and I'm the one that's supposed to bring balance to the force, why can't all the power be in one person's hands? Yeah. Speaking of uh, power, unlimited power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, real, real quick, you know, we, we can't move on without talking about um, Anakin becoming Vader, and which which happens in in the final third of the movie. He just is Vader. Um. Yeah, yeah. If if any thoughts. Also, we we have we have uh, Obi Wan just being a just being a G. Sad uh, boy, sad boy Obi Wan. Beginning of sad boy Obi Wan. Beginning of sad boy Obi Wan. But before that, like there are several moments where he's he's fighting, but you could tell he's having a great time. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> he he literally Obi Wan smiles. Like the as Grievous says the words "attack Jedi," like telling him to attack. Obi Wan has the hugest smile. Like focuses on that. He has the hugest smile on his face. And I'm really, I'm, I'm actually really glad that we kind of are touching on the Obi Wan and Grievous fight. Um, it's really fun. I love the Obi Wan and Grievous fight. It's, it's very, it's very visually. Interesting, just with the aspect of this cyborg has four arms and four lightsabers. Um, my biggest, my biggest grievance with Grievous <laughs> is I don't understand why George decided to give him a cough. It it ruins literally every seat. Like it, if if they didn't give Grievous a cough, he would have been like the perfect like minor villain like background villain he's tall he's scary he's got a, a like a cool voice so he's like kind of goofy but also really terrifying and then they just had to ruin it with the cough like there was when he's like extending his four arms i was so excited i'm like this is so cool grievous is so cool and then he goes bleh, bleh, bleh. And i'm like all right all right that that kind of took me out of it i, I mean was inspired it, by george lucas's actual bronchitis at the time seriously yeah, well, yeah. George, we don't need to know about Well, and also at that point, the 2003 Clone Wars, uh, like series, had come out, and during that time, like Mace Windu crushes uh, uh, Grievous, and that was the explanation. Then we don't really have a canon explanation for it now, um, but like yeah, the Grievous in in, in Obi Wan fight, it's up there. It's a great. It, it's just great. I like what they did with the special special editions now, where they added all the clone voices at the, in in it. I was like, yes. After watching the Clone Wars, I'm like, yes. I need to hear more of Tamora Morrison <laughs> coming down. He's like, come on, come it on, let's go, let's go. Anyway, I, I like. I wonder like how many just offshoot lines Tamora had to record. I'm like, Tamora, they just like had him say anything. They're just oh, filling yeah. space with him. Oh, I yeah, mean, I, I ain't complaining. Gotta love some Tamora more. Like, how many times do you want me to say, come on? <laughs> uh, I find it, I find it funny that, like, <laughs> that we spend three movies of Obi-Wan killing people from the low ground. Like the, with with this grievous fight, like it's three movies of Obi Wan killing people from low ground. So when it comes to the end with the high ground, like Obi Wan knows better than anybody what to do on the low ground. So he's got this covered. Like whatever you throw at him, he's got it. 
It's funny. That's like my cat. Like when she's playing, she, like I don't know what what she evolved from or like if any cats in the wild do this, but she'll like lay down. Like she'll jump and everything, but then she'll, she'll like lay down and be like, she'll lay on her back while trying to do stuff. Like she just wants to lay on her back <laughs> while hunting. I just don't get it. She's like, I'm hungry, but I'm tired. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I actually love it though, because it feels to me, and I, I don't know if it was intentional, at least at this point in time, um, but it really feels like they they do it where Obi Wan is just is just baiting him out. Like he's yeah. just he he tells him that, and, and I think this is echoed in the mall fight in Rebels because he's he's taught how often do you think he's talked about you know how he's fought how he fought Maul, and Anakin is trying to do something similar to the move that. Obi-Wan did against Darth Maul back in the very first episode. And it, I don't know, it just makes me think of when he fights Maul, he mimics Qui-Gon to make Maul do the thing. Mm -hmm. And I just think he is a masturbator. <laughs> this is the one character that I remember being like, mm, I'm not really sold on him. <laughs> I don't really he's what like I get the same the same thing I, f I feel about Snoke is how I feel about Grievous I mean the Clone Wars d does like add more to Grievous but I really in the prequels when I, I I just I don't feel like Grievous is that he doesn't really scare me like he doesn't he doesn't feel like a, a very big threat but I think I think I have this issue in Star Wars in general it's not an issue it's just nothing feels like a like Almost nothing feels like a threat in Star Wars except for the existential threat of losing yourself, of losing your loved ones, of darkness. And that's why I think, like, for me, the central, the, my central interest in Star Wars is still Jedi Force mysticism stuff. It's not like, you know, I understand that some people are more interested in, like, smugglers or, like, bounty hunters and, and or pilots, and that's fine. But, like, for me, I don't, I have a hard time with, I don't know, just someone who is knows how to use lightsabers. Like, like I'm sort of like, obviously that's not going to be a big threat. Like they're going to, sure they'll, they'll they might drag it out, and and they did. They they might drag it out and make it make us think that he is hard to kill because they'll just make it take up a lot of minutes, and then he'll like be waving around ten lightsabers and whatever. It'll be a nice spectacle for a few minutes. But at no point am I like scared of Grievous. At no point, I'm just waiting for the real threat, which is like the threat of Anakin's like soul. That's like, that's, that's star Wars to me is those existential things. It's not like villains. And, and to be honest, I actually think that's kind of the point, you know, like yeah. without the cough uh, and, and if he, they made him more imposing, Grievous would be a lot scarier, but instead they made him kind of silly. They made him silly. And the way he's always, you know, acquiescing to, to, to Dooku and, and to Palpatine, he was so subservient to them. And, you know, he even held his cough while he's talking to him. So he doesn't like embarrass himself. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't you know, detract from, from anything else. And I think that's something that the original trilogy did really well. The first movie, Vader is this terrifying, imposing, you know, phantom. And in the second one, we see his helmet come off, 
you know, on, and you're like, you know, he's oh, he's like Mr. Potato Head under there, but he's still dangerous. <laughs> And then I'm the last menacing one, Mr. That's what Potato Head. <laughs> I'm menacing Mr. Potato Head. Don't, don't. Ooh. Yeah. And then the last one, he was just modern day Billy Joel. And, uh, <laughs> and that was cool as well. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think that's, I think, like, I think I, uh, Revenge of the Sith does it. Like, I like how it's done in Revenge of the Sith. Like, yeah. at no point am I also worried <laughs> that that's just where they're going to stop with, like, oh, Grievous is the villain of this movie. Like, at no, which I can't say the same about some of the some of the things that have come out more recently in Star Wars. I can't say the same of, like, where I feel like the threat is... Uh, I don't have a good sense of the threat. Uh, and, yeah, I never felt that Grievous was a threat or that he was even supposed to be a serious threat. If anything, a diversion, sort of like the separatists in general um, were a threat, but like, because they were part of this bigger plan, like that's what's so interesting about them as as villains or temporary villains is separatists, grievous, all these things. Like we as we, the audience know that something is fishy, like something is up where that cannot be the whole story. And that's why that th I think the prequels are amazing not always like executed the best in from an objective lens i guess but i think the prequels are very like in revenge of the sith are, i think they're just very like they're doing something that that the original trilogy didn't do like yeah i mean i guess this is more of a final thought but um and i and i so i could save it but yeah i think george i i really agree with you on that i I think the story of the prequels is better than any of the other trilogies. Like the, Same. the underlying story behind it and the development and 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 I I, I agree. Even though I like I would original trilogies were kind of my thing, like still, but the story of the prequels dominates. Yeah, original trilogy is hero's journey, blah blah blah. It's been done a billion times, but it was done super super well, and I love them, etc. But when people try to do things based on Star Wars and try to do, try to adapt the hero's journey, like how many times are we going to hear about the monomyth? Fine. Like, for, forgetting that George Lucas himself is not fixed in the version of himself that was making stuff in the 70s and 80s. Like, the prequels are not the hero's journey at all. It's something uh -huh. completely different. Like, oh, yeah. he himself has evolved mm -hmm. from, from that. And he, like, I... I, which is why I think it is kind of a losing battle to think of like George Lucas would have liked this or like to to try to measure like current Star Wars stuff against like George Lucas would have loved this or like George Lucas would have done what would George Lucas have done because the thing is George Lucas is an artist and we actually don't know what he would have done we don't know we can only we can guess based on this fixed you know between a few decades of him where he did happen we can we can judge based on that but he was constantly like taking risks and surprising us. So he himself moved on from the pretty vanilla story that A New Hope is. Love it, but like yeah. it's a pretty vanilla story. He himself specifically said that. He's like, I, I want to take risks. I don't want to, you know, people aren't going to like what I, I he, he talked about just doing the whole thing about the, the wills and being some weird trippy thing he also his favorite arc is the droid arc on the clone wars he's he's yeah. a yeah i mean that's an art school kid man i i through and through yeah i i do then. love something that i will always like respect about george and his his vision with the prequels is how unapologetic he is about executing these 
grandiose concepts that just didn't fit in with like current modern Hollywood storytelling standards. And he kind of even did the same thing back in back when the original he was making the originals. Um, even like the uh, the opening text crawl, I think that got him like kicked out of like the the screenwriters guild because it was so against the grain of what modern film standards is supposed to be. Yeah, so you, you had even, to put the actors' names first. Yeah, yeah. Even even yeah. back then, George George Lucas has always been one to not give in for good and bad. To for yeah, the, like there's pros and cons, obviously, but that's something that you you have to respect him for his drive to seek out this vision that he has or seek out this idea that he has, and um. Like we saw in the in the originals, like it it the story expanded more when he brought when different directors held the reins, but he was still a writer or like other producers came on and it it changed the tone um from what George set as a base with New Hope, but the the prequels I agree with like what everybody's been saying really are so different from not even just the originals themselves, but just general storytelling standards and like tactics of that time period in in Hollywood and in, in in movie making. I feel like so that that is something that no matter how the prequels like turned out or what the public opinion of the prequels turns into, that's something that I think you always have to respect about what George was trying to do with them. This really is getting into like final thought territory, though. It, it, it is. It is. Uh, so, so before we before we get there, let's let's um, because we are running uh, long as we, I thought we might. <laughs> but that being said, let's real quick hit the end. You know, we we did talk about the high ground moment uh, and stuff a little bit. If you guys have more thoughts on the whole battle of the heroes, uh, the march oh on the God. temple, order sixty six. All that good stuff. Let's just hit the last, the last third of it, and then also um, Lila Blob in in the chat uh, said, you know, still pretty sad about Padme being so passive um, in comparison to the previous two movies. Mentions the deleted scenes. Yes. Um, I had also mentioned yeah. the concept art of Padme with a knife. I wanted to hear your thoughts on on that. But yeah, if you guys want to hit the last. Last third, real quick, and then we'll um, uh, just in the interest of time, I'll I'll go around and and and, and call people um, for this this one. Um, but <laughs> uh, Sid, your thoughts? Um, when I, I won't dwell on on the the it's the the scene where Mace um confronts Sidious for the first time, but something that I did really appreciate that about that scene is you know people make fun of prequel dialogue all the time. But the exchange of I am the Senate to May saying not yet and Palpatine like stealing himself and deciding in that moment how he is going to react to this and saying it's treason then is a wonderful, amazing piece of dialogue and an amazing example of writing because you see that Palpatine realizes that he has been found out and he is kind of still relying on his his words and his manipulation and like trying to not talk his way out of this but 
he's relying on what he does best is like manipulating and um intimidating with i am the senate that outlines his goal that outlines what he wants to do may saying not yet presents an obstacle that uh sidious can't ignore and his face dropping and saying it's treason then um it it means so much more than what than just like it's treason then it signifies like how he's planning on spinning this on the Jedi, what his intentions are to Mace in that moment. That is him executing his plan and getting rid of that obstacle that Mace is presenting him in the moment and like as the whole Jedi Order. Um, uh, I love that you bring that up because like that, that moment is, all, is so often played as a meme, but like that line, I am the Senate is just so powerful. They're like, they're approaching him like, hey, we're just trying to make sure that when this is over, you're going to give the powers back. Now that it is over, are you going to do that? And he's like, I'm king of everything now. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. So we're moving to, all right, all right. Let me let me consult the flow chart. Uh, Ignite lightsaber, not yet. Um, oh, most yeah. spaces are a few words, but, but his words always have power. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I have so many notes on this part. Uh, where well, was give I? us, uh, give us, give us two more. Okay. Yeah. Like for the whole ending, like the whole final act. Uh, yes. Sorry. Okay. We, we, no, it's okay. Cause I, no, cause I can do that. I can do that. So the battle of the heroes, my hot take is it would have been perfect if they cut out all of the fighting that they did inside the compound. Um, because my, because it, to me, it really like cuts the tension and doesn't really make a lot of sense for what the fight is supposed to represent. That's kind of been one of my personal gripes about all of the lightsaber fights in the prequels is that it feels like they're happening on a sound stage and you can literally overlay any kind of background you want and most of the fights would end up the same way. The exceptions to that are the parts of the Battle of the Heroes that take place outside. Um, because Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're using, like, the different platforms around them and um, just, like, interacting with the environment and making the actual visuals of the prequels and the visuals of the fight choreography very visually interesting and visually engaging. Um, on the other hand, when they're inside, they literally just kick each other a couple times. And that's it. Like, they they kick each other, like, three or four times. The one thing that I would save from the, the parts where they're inside is the moment where Anakin and Obi-Wan are, like, trying to force each other, force push each other backwards. It is a very, like, powerful visual and um, metaphor for the two of them right now, but they should have done that outside. Also, they start outside, go inside, and then go back outside because they have to, because they're like, okay, how are we gonna, like, cook Anakin Skywalker? Let's take him inside. Oh, wait, we gotta take him outside if we want to burn him. We gotta take him all the way back outside. So if 
in the writer's room for that scene, they just got rid of those inside parts. I think it really would be one of the greatest fights of all time. There's just that little bit that just cuts the tension for me that kind of like makes me bored with it. And then as soon as they go back outside again, I'm like, okay, I'm invested again. Like I'm visually interested. I am like mentally interested in the representation of the fight to their personal like ideals and circumstances. Um, and then one last point. You said I got two, right? Yep. Um, the ending shot and the ending sequence of Revenge of the Sith is, I think, one of the most powerful endings visually and emotionally in all of Star Wars because of the acknowledgement of where all of this is supposed to be leading to and what all of it was for in the end because you have you first have Leia's theme play when you see her with uh, Bale and his wife on Alderaan and then you you hear Luke's theme when it cuts to Obi-Wan giving baby Luke to Owen and Beru on Tatooine and then it goes into binary sunset and that progression of those themes playing up and playing into each other and then the final visual of the binary sunset with Owen and Beru looking onwards and Obi-Wan just like looking at them contemplating everything he's been through and considering everything that is that might happen going forward it it is such a perfect bridge between everything that these characters and we as an audience have been through with experiencing the prequels into what got us got almost everybody here in the first place of um of the original prequels because i've always i've always been of the opinion that what star wars is about was told to us in the very beginning and i mean the very beginning in 19 in the 1970s where the t the the title of the movie and I know it, this became the title afterwards but it's called a new hope Star Wars is always supposed to be about hanging on to hope. And the ending of Revenge of the Sith is a perfect bridge between feeling completely hopeless at the state of the galaxy and the state of all the characters to what we know is coming and that hope that we as the audience are clinging on to for these characters in the future. I cried last night while watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, uh, how about you, uh, Nick? Yeah. Uh, so uh, especially first watching Revenge of the Sith, like it was always a, a leap for me that suddenly Anakin, I know they set things up, but that suddenly Anakin was like pledging his his allegiance to uh, Darth Sidious, you know, like that was, that was a bit of a jump for me. Um, it just It just felt sudden, but the evolution of like Anakin really becoming Darth Vader after that, I think is brilliantly done because it's all visuals. Everything you see of, of Anakin becoming this is like, you know, him 
walking up the temple, a lightsaber. Um, like him just standing on Musafar, like with a tear, like when you see the Sith eyes and when you oh, don't, like it's oh. all visuals that show his, what's that? No, I was just agreeing with you. This just brought me back to the Kenobi oh, trailer. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I know what I have to do. Yeah. Oh, uh, and speaking of the, the, um, inside, the outside, inside, out, uh, that whole like fight. Um, essentially the, the design of it mirrors Empire Strikes Back with Luke and Vader. Like, like them kind of standing on that kind of like outside kind of circle and then ending up inside. I'm not saying it's done. Better, no, 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 no. That makes sense, and then though. Inside again. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably where they got some of that, that inspiration from. But the, the whole kick thing I could have done without. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. Because <laughs> that, that was... I mean, George Lucas loves saying it's like poetry, it rhymes. Poetry doesn't always have to rhyme, George. <laughs> so it's okay to do something different sometimes. Oh, yeah. He loves reusing visuals. Now, That's um, the only thing that him. always drove me nuts is like Yoda giving up when he did. It's like he kind of fell and he's like, well, I lost now. But like, it, like he was still fine. Get probably he's got the soldiers coming in and stuff like that. But um but yeah, I mean, well, I the novelization that pays whole, like, battle of Rose. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just just watching the movie for the first time, though, that that's that's what uh, that's what I was like. But Yoda, come on. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the setup at the end, like that that kind of the new hope. First of all, like the sudden Qui Gon moment. Yeah, I know we get a lot more in Clone Wars, but. Uh, just suddenly, wait, wait, Con, what? And then that's all you're left for years. And so good. <laughs> so you get more information from that. I really I know, hope we get it in Obi Wan. Like it's so bad. But at, at that point, you think this is the end of Star Wars? Are we never getting the answer to this? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, and then a binary sunset, like any with that visual, of course. Anytime that that'll get you, and of course the theme to that. But I, I mean, it is the ultimate. Uh, the end, like the the evolution of this movie into A New Hope, they're like mirror images of each other, because like one one goes from like light to dark, another one goes from dark to light. You know, it's like you see you see this progression of this person going from here to there, and I think just that that combination of those that that whole arc between them, I think, is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. love it. And uh, how about you, Luke? Um. Uh, Battle of the Heroes is probably one of my favorite Star Wars lightsaber fights. There's a lot of unnecessary acrobatics, but you have to remember from a narrative standpoint, these are two Jedis that have known each other for a very long time, and the emotional, emotional, like the emotional stakes of this, is very much the reason why they went all in on this because this fight is is supposed to be two Jedi at their peak battling it out it, it not only not only from a, a a a philosophical because one is fighting for good the other one is has lost themselves but it's just the the game that they play they they know which move is going to come next and just it's it's done so well i could have gone without like the 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 the, the lines swinging i could have gone without that but that's like my only real complaint about this i, hate that part. <laughs> I love that part so much it's, it's around so George of the Jungle moment. What? 
but the but the thing is is that 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 it. fight that fight could have been so much more like there were so many things planned out for that like the if you watch in the deleted scenes like there's so many other things acrobatic crap that they were going to do but like that and like the music in the last second half of the movie banger after banger after banger after banger just it's just amazing what john williams did for especially revenge of the i think revenge of the sith has the best uh um uh soundtrack because it has so many great themes in it um and i i just i just really really enjoyed the later half and it's it like xanthi was saying or it was either xanthi or skid i can't remember but like they you see the hero's journey, but it's the opposite. You see the fall of a hero. And I feel like that story isn't told a ton in, in fiction in general. Seeing the good guy turn and become the villain, um, I think that was the most interesting thing that I ever got from Revenge of the Sith. So and those yeah. are kind of my final thoughts. I think that because you knew where it was going in, 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 yeah. in yeah. with the trilogy. You knew where it was headed, could tell yeah, that's the thing. story and not leave you disappointed again. Uh, yeah. Breaking Bad exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, but I think that the anti-hero but, of those became popular after. No, it's true. It's yeah. True. I recently read something that said, like a historical perspective of Star Wars, that said that the prequels were like the, the Star Wars prequels are what made prequels a thing mm-hmm. in the first place. And so yeah. that's interesting to think about. Like, now it's super common, but yep. now there's origin stories for everyone. But George <laughs> Lucas was really working without a template here. Yeah. It's always been the pioneer of yeah. mm-hmm. b- practically everything. Pretty uh, much, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the night Gwen Stacy died for what that did for comics, because that was the first dark thing. And then all of the dark comics come after that period. Um but yeah, uh, Xanthi, your thoughts. So this is like the one, this is a rare film for me where like I can, no matter how many times I watch it, I still watch it and hope for a different outcome. Like I'm just like, no, don't. like I, it just, it's like hurts to, like I know how it's going to end, but somehow like a tiny part of my brain feels like maybe it could be different. Like, I, like I, it's. I don't get that with very many movies at all. And this is one where it's just, it's, it's really heart-wrenching to like watch how, watch how the end unfolds. Especially knowing that someone like Anakin, when he pledges himself to people or to like the Order or even when he um, pledges himself to Sidious, like he, I don't think he really feels it like I think he is I think it's just one more example of him saying what he think is the thing he's supposed to say to like please his new mentor just like he said to the Jedi like I don't think there was like a singular switch that like a you know a a chip like like an order 66 chip that went off in his head or something like I don't think that's what happened with Anakin I think he just decided yeah exactly um it's like I think he just, this is the path he thought was best for him at the moment. And like, I didn't, we know from like other materials now, like Afra and the novelization and other stuff that like, he still is sort of like, wait, am I doing like, 
he is he still is like very gray area like he still is not completely mm -hmm. there still is like there's a lot more emotional complexity in his switch than yes. uh, than people give him credit for and Absolutely. also like i chaco knows this when i think about darth vader i just think about how darth vader always was kind of was darth vader is always conflicted like to some extent oh, um, absolutely and yeah. yeah so at this point it's just i feel so much i feel i feel so much pain for anakin like obviously for everyone else too not not just anakin okay everyone's kind of going through some shit but like anakin, <laughs> but like anakin himself we only too. care about anakin we only, don't only care anakin. about everybody yeah <laughs> but like anakin also was watching this train wreck happen and we see it in the, we we hear his pain when he's like all of this and Padme still died. Like he's like, and he did all of this. And now look at, look where he's at. Like it yes. all was for nothing. He thought oh. that doing all this stuff would at least save that one thing. And no, like he, it's just, it's really, really bad times in Anakin land um, and everyone else land. And I will say that like to, to touch back to um, the, the lines, like the, the dialogue, I think the like very theatrically staged dramatic dialogue really um, really elevates everything here. I think in I think maybe at the time it was seen as very stilted and overly formal or something. But like I think to movies in 2022, and there's such a trend right now in Hollywood to have extremely naturalistic ways of speaking that feel almost like you're just watching someone's like like it's it's more like trendy now to have something so naturalistic that you could just be watching someone's like i don't know like instagram store like vlog or something or where mm -hmm. and for sound edit for sound people too it's like almost a problem because they can't really get people to speak loud and like it, they, it's hard to like pick up sound too because actors will just be like so naturalistic that they're just like kind of mumbling and <laughs> like it's not the same clarity of like before when technology was worse you had to be a little bit more theatrical Theatric project, you have, to, you have to project a little bit more with your voice, which is like watching the original trilogy is is like that too. You're like, wow, these people could be like, these people are obviously all stage actors, to, or mm -hmm. a lot of them are stage actors and everything. And so here, I think like, um, like I like the commitment to it being this other this. I, I like the commitment to the drama and like the way that it is, the way that it doesn't try to like. I think that's why it doesn't feel like to me this movie doesn't feel like it's just tr it's trendy for the year it was released like it doesn't feel like trendy like it feels mm -hmm. like it, it just doesn't feel it, it feels more timeless than some other movies even movies that I like are just in terms of like the the, the trends in the in the screenwriting and the delivery and the acting and, and all that kind of stuff I also think musically it works because I think the the drama the dramatic like tension that is being built up in the dialogue is being yes. matched by the music like the intensity and the complexity of the scenes is matched mm -hmm. by the intensity and complexity of the music and that is something that really takes me out of films when it, that doesn't happen and i feel like that does not happen in a lot of films where i feel like the either i feel sometimes and, and i and i feel this way about some star wars things too like i liked rogue one but like there are some parts where I feel like the music was trying was trying to make up for things that weren't carrying so much in the scene and make a little bit 
vice versa in other in other parts and i feel like maybe in some shows and other stuff too where like maybe something intense was happening on screen but the music's kind of just like pacing like kind of just plodding along not really with complexity kind of just like a little bit boring to me um obviously that's subjective but i think like just the complexity of the music has not been like it's really mm -hmm. hard to match that and that's one of the things that like originally makes made star wars work is is the way that the music was not just bangers it was like really incredible compositions that were not just to like press play and go it was like really that fit the scene and heightened like the emotions and just like made you you wrap your brain around things in a different way and and transported you to like a completely different dimension where you're believing that people are like fighting on Mustafar and and, and really and like crying and everything like yes. with different music that could have been so silly it could have been cringy like mm -hmm. who knows you know um so that is like one thing I, I definitely appreciate um yeah you and, can just listen to just the music and you know what's happening you can turn on if you turn off their voices you would still understand the movie and that's rare yeah, like it was always meant, you know, Star Wars was originally, George Lucas had this feeling of like, it could be an opera, like it could be, it could be something without, it could be without words. And that's how he wanted it to play. And like, I, I think one of the, I think one of my favorite things, uh, which I, I only like noticed this in retrospect after like analyzing The Last Jedi, since that's what we do on my podcast is we <laughs> analyze those Star Wars films five minutes at a time. Um, so the when the twins are born, when Luke and Leia are born, some some people have asked, like, why didn't they play Luke and Leia's name? Because they had it at that time. Um, and I think it's like shows remarkable restraint that they didn't play Luke and Leia's theme because something that I think gets misinterpreted about leitmotifs and the way that themes should operate in film or when people employ leitmotifs in films trying to like copy the way that it was done so powerfully in Star Wars I think it's not really done well a lot of the times in my opinion because it it shouldn't be just a paint by numbers like this character appears you put that theme this thing happens, you put that theme, make sure that it matches. Like it's no, but like the point of like the music is to it, it like withholds or it like gives you something when you're not expecting it. Like it is an extra voice. It's an extra narrative like element in the film mm -hmm. that is not just to accompany like Luke and Leia. Cause Luke, like we haven't earned Luke and Leia's theme at that point yet. Like nope. the last time we heard Luke and Leia's theme prior, like was obviously we heard it in Return of the Jedi and we don't actually hear it again until the last Jedi when Luke and Leia are saying goodbye. And I think that's like one of the most powerful scenes of the last Jedi and mm -hmm. the way that like John Williams withheld Luke and Leia's theme all the way from return of the Jedi until the last Jedi when, because their theme is really such a, it's not just about the fact that Luke and Leia exist as people. So when they're together, no, it's like them finding each other in their, like familial like bond it's like them bonding it's and when they're just babies being born like that's not that that's not the point of the of the scene it's the point of the scene in return of the jedi when they're talking about the fact that they're related it's the point of the scene in the last jedi when they're re reconciling anyway i've kind of gone on but like i think like that but yeah hopefully that was somewhat coherent <laughs> no that was that was wonderful that was beautiful 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love it. Um, just real quick, uh, for me, one of the things. Um, so I actually I I don't love Battle of the Heroes as much as most people. It's a it's an amazing fight. Don't get me wrong. And certain aspects of it are beautifully done. Like when, mm-hmm. um, like the kicking scene, I think is is kind of dumb. But like when Obi Wan brings the saber down and Anakin just one hand just like presses it, and you're like, oh Jesus, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, the force push thing didn't really catch me but the part right afterwards how fast anakin gets back up rebounds and is just back on the offensive that part hits me super hard um and the whole fight to me it's it's this i actually prefer the inside part because it's a battle of cat and mouse because obi-wan's like i cannot beat him on the offensive i have to play my game in order to win or else this is all over can i can I make it out of this? Like, we're in here. This favors him. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing anything until it favors me. Um, when, after the, that, that scene, screaming, I hate you, and like the strings, like the music and stuff is just like, yes. It's 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 too much, man. Like, mm. I mean, like in a good way. Like, it's it's all the, the best ways of just like, like I can just hear those strings, and then I'm sad. Like, Emotional damage. Yeah. And I think, just and I think up. the perform, I think Hayden's performance is excellent. I, I I can't imagine. I mean, there's a reason I'm not an actor, right? But but the I, I have brought peace, freedom, security, and just, you know. If I, if you were if you had never seen the movie and you were handed that script and like. Acted. Would you have done that? Would it have been the same? Would it have been as good? No. No. No, it wouldn't. I don't. No. These, yeah. They, so they 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 put their foot in it, um, uh, which is a good thing for black people. Um, <laughs> uh, when Obi Wan returns to the ship, there's a brief moment with Padme. She's passed out. She wakes up and says, "Obi Wan." Anakin, is he all right? Um, that's all she does. She asks if Anakin's all right, and then she passes back out. That's literally the first thing Vader does when when he wakes up. Padme, is she okay? Is she all right? And it, I don't know that to me. That's the that's beautiful. That's a special moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the way her heartbeat ends and his begins oh. uh, to me is, is just really beautiful. There is, I, I always laugh at the very end when they're in the, where Obi-Wan, um, Yoda and, and Bale are in the conference room because Yoda's feet aren't touching the, the ground, <laughs> but the chair swivels naturally. <laughs> and they're like, bro, are you really using the force to do that right now? Yes. Like, what, what, what is this? And they're like, in the in the breakfast commentary, they were just like, ah, oh, what, what, whatever, never mind. Like, we won't worry about that. Um, there's, I, I do, I feel like the last hour of this film is this third act is near perfect. Yes, I can't think of any major missteps between besides like just a couple random like choreography things that I would do better or. 
certain people holding the wrong lightsaber at certain moments, you know, <laughs> st- stupid stuff, but yeah. doesn't, doesn't de- detract from it. Um, but yeah, those, those are my thoughts. Um, I want to thank you. I, I know, I know we ran long. I want to thank everyone for coming out, for being part of this. Uh, this was, this was amazing. And I, you know, I, I'm having, um, you know, two of you are on for the very first time. Uh, thank you so much. You, w- I will. I need you guys to come back on at, at, a, at a, again in the future. Also, anytime. Also, Absolutely. Nick. Um, at some point, we're we're gonna be swing dancing t- together because. I'm, yes, please. I'm rusty. Oh, cool. Um, but Let's like dance. that's. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to. Like I, I, I was at Atomic Ballroom for a long time. Oh wow! And, yeah, Huntington um, Beach. Uh, well, Irvine. I, I Irvine. lived in Huntington, but yeah. Irvine. And, yeah. Um, just the guy who looks like Captain Hook, who just stands there and lets his chest hair blow in the fan above. <laughs> Does he still hang out there? <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. Either. Okay, that's I know who you're talking about. I just, I just. Uh, <laughs> He looks exactly like Captain Hook, and he just stands there proudly in this animated Captain like, Captain Hook. Hey, uh, What's funny is this whole time I've actually been at a dance event with a bunch of people dancing. <laughs> right there. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, let's just go around one last time. If you guys have any any final thoughts, you know, I know I sent over notes. Anything you want to wrap up, um, and one final go around. If you have, um, you know. Thoughts on how this might affect Obi Wan or whatever, and then also end with where we can find you and your amazing content. Once again, I'll start with Nick. <laughs> wait, if, if anyone's, uh, so, anyone's uh, going to talk about oh, wait, if anyone's going to talk about Obi Wan and talk about the trailer, I don't, I, I haven't watched the trailer, and I and I stay off news. So let me know so I can like not listen to if people are going to. Uh, okay. I will give you the. I'm, I'll give you the, the spoiler warning. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll remove that from the. Okay. Don't okay. answer that one. <laughs> Thank you. Got it. But yeah, <laughs> final thoughts and where we can find you and your awesome content. Um, so uh, I'm on, on TikTok, uh, codename underscore Fulcrum. Uh, you can see it um, there on the screen. Uh, and uh, I mean, I just love everything Star Wars. Um, you know, I'd like to make fun content, but also analysis and um, just geek out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I love talking about this. So podcasts galore, like I, I love just kind of being on here and getting to geek out. Uh, love talking with all you all, and uh, and actually getting to actually talk to you in person, and not just not just have to see your content. I get to speak to you. Um, but uh, I mean, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you know, it's just such a hard hitting movie that going into Kenobi, and I'm not going to talk about the trailer or anything. But uh, just like the way that ends, and the fact that we're you know getting something in between and and all the heavy notes that it's ending on that we're starting off with and um, getting to see that progress. Like I'm, I'm very excited to see all that. And I, I did watch Revenge of the Sith right before, uh, cause I was gonna, I was gonna go through the prequels anyway, leading up to Kenobi, but um, just watching this and it just brings so much more uh, to that and just all the, all the themes. And um, I'm really looking forward to, to all of it. So again, thank you. Uh, thank you Chaco for having me on. Um, and yes, yeah. to the dancing. <laughs> and um, also, you know, I'm in Southern California. We'll be there for Star Wars Celebration. I know Luke will be oh, as yeah. well. Hopefully, and and Xanthi and is in Los Angeles. I'm in Long Beach now. Oh, 
Okay, nice. Hey. That's yeah, right. That's very right. Close. Yeah. Um, and the Sid, are you coming to it? I'll have hopefully have my breakfast. I live. I live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Um, no, I, I unfortunately won't be there. I will be going to Galaxy's Edge for the first time in May, though, so I'm very excited about that. Ooh, um, okay. But no Star Wars celebration for me this year, unfortunately. Um, we will see, though, for the future. Yeah, maybe in the future. But actually, while we're here, why don't we go ahead and have you give your final thoughts and uh, um, where we can find you and your awesome content. Um, well, uh, you can find me, like I said, at at the beginning, anywhere the name Skid Space, it's all one word, just S K I D S P A C E. Pretty much anywhere. Mo I do most most of my Star Wars stuff is on TikTok, though. That's like TikTok is the platform that got me into the Star Wars community, despite being a Star Wars fan my whole life. So I will always be appreciative of TikTok and wonderful creators like you, Chaco, and everybody else here and everybody on that app for being such a welcoming place for me to finally be able to talk about the thing that I, one of the things that I love most. Um, so yeah, skid space pretty much anywhere. Um, my feelings for the prequels themselves as movies has never been a strong one, I feel like. Um, again, like I said at the onset, my experience with this time period in Star Wars is most influenced by my experience of seeing the Clone Wars come out as like at like being there for every episode every week um which probably is why it's more impactful to me than the prequels because like I said the prequels are kind of just a jumble in my brain um more than anything this movie made me viewing it as like as I am now like as an adult with more understanding of like Star Wars as a concept and just like critical media analysis I can appreciate so much more what it did for Star Wars in general and for the character of Anakin Skywalker. I unfortunately, though, am still not an Anakin Skywalker fan. I'm so sorry to everyone here who, who really loves Anakin. Um, unfortunately, we'll get you next time. Yeah, you never know. Um, this movie doesn't make me grieve the death of Anakin Skywalker. It makes me... Um, kind of grieve the birth of Darth Vader, if that makes any sense. Mm. So in a way, I feel like it, it, it did accomplish its goal for me personally. I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't, I just don't like Anakin, man. I like what his character is supposed to do. And I do think I love like Hayden Christensen. That's no knock to him. He, he's, he's a, he's a wonderful actor. And there are moments and scenes in Revenge of the Sith that do a wonderful job at um, conveying who Anakin is and what he's going through. I just don't like who he is. Beautiful question. Do you like Kylo? Kylo Ren? No. Okay. Okay. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, uh, and I made a TikTok about it recently, but for me, Anakin is my sister. Just infinitely talented, literally most talented person I've known, amazing musician, singer, 
um, uh, got me into skateboarding, basketball, like snowboarding, wakeboarding, all this stuff was far better than me at all of them. Can literally go into any room with any person and come out with a best friend and like far beyond. And right now, you know, because of how easy certain things came, made a lot of bad choices and uh you know kind of kind of fell to her own version of the dark side uh and, it, and it's really sad so whenever i see that i actually i, I feel a lot for for anakin and so while he's no my favorite character and you'll hear my content i'm pretty hard on him because he made his his decisions and you're like mm-hmm. don't you know, I feel like I, I will like, say hey, I will say this. this. This will happen, and he did that, mm-hmm. and that happened. And you're like, who? Don't blame them for telling you that. I don't know. I w- I will say this about Anakin in the prequels, and specifically in Revenge of the Sith. Um, Star Wars is great at nostalgia, so I think knowing what Anakin went through what his whole arc was seeing that play out it makes any scenes with vader from the original trilogy and anything to come out after that like um with uh like his scenes in rebels um anything like with future star wars content that has happened after revenge of the sith it makes you like, or me, it makes me um, think a lot more deeply about the person that Vader was. And and um, in those moments, I grieve for the death of Anakin Skywalker. And that this movie is, is, is um, the credit for that. So even though Revenge of the Sith itself didn't make me feel anything for Anakin Skywalker... Its existence and its context within other Star Wars material really does make me me grieve for the person that he was. Absolutely. Love it. And uh, how about you, Xanthi? I think um, when watching um, films and, and whatever, I think based on like what's popular at the time and what the trends are socially and I don't know what's going on in the world I think certain characters and types of characters are easier for fans to latch on to or to um, hold up as heroes and other ones are easier to fall into kind of cliched um, I don't know critiques an example would be like the Jedi were dogmatic and so like kind of like painting things with with broad strokes is basically what I'm saying, and 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 I and um, kind of deciding that like certain characters are like maybe more pure than others, or like had a better head on their shoulders, or or had better decision making skills. And I think in the in the prequels, uh, like the Tuscan Raiders are, and uh, the Tuscans are uh, such a big example. Is like it wasn't really on in the mainstream public reception. Um, to like really care about the Tuscans like 20 years ago, but now it is. And so that there are, there are just different ways that characters like that are being written now and different ways that um, people are sort of starting to rethink some of the things that we took for granted um, 
before when we were first introduced to things. I think in Revenge of the Sith or in the in the sequels, but especially Revenge of the Sith, um, Mace Windu is one of those characters where he was very easy to. Um, but he's he's not he's one of those characters that like a lot of people don't like. I feel like Mace Windu gets like little to no love in terms of the Jedi. Um, in like mainstream Star Wars culture. I don't know. Not that I know what that is, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and he is sort of like seen as this, I don't know, in, 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 in a negative way, like in, in uh, exemplifying all that the Jedi, all that the things that were bad about the Jedi order at that time, like so stuck to their rules and so like by the book and so like strict and so like all that stuff. But I think, Mace Windu is one of those characters that as an adult, I've like really had second thoughts. Like I've really like got, I, I really appreciate him a lot more. Like mm -hmm. he did the, he like Obi-Wan, but in a different way, he did hard things, like really hard things that no one else would do. And like he, the position that he was in when he was the one, like actually confronting Palpatine, like, Mace Windu was doing dirty work that a lot of the other Jedi didn't want to do. And anyway, all I'm saying is like, it's interesting how these characters, like it might not be popular to maybe talk about Mace Windu in one decade, but maybe later it will kind of realize that people like him were, uh, you know, we were maybe painting them with too broad of a brush. But anyway, um, also the novelization just made me, it made it, it made me also deepen my, interest in Mace Windu. Um, but anyway, so you can find me at Star Wars Music Minute. Um, I have a podcast and uh, the podcast is on YouTube. Uh, Darth Chaco has been on it twice, including very recently, um, talking about five minute chunks of Star Wars. So we were talking about The Last Jedi uh, um, last year. And then recently we talked about um, five minutes in Solo, a Star Wars story. And so we focus on the music and sound and um, it's a lot of fun to really take a detailed, detailed look and detailed listen at small sections of the Star Wars films and just pay really close attention to how the sound is influencing like overall, the overall thing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can find me just on all social media platforms. Um, yeah. I'm not always like super active on social media, depending on how anxious I am, <laughs> but I, but yeah, I'm on there. Yeah. And I talk about music and Star Wars. Plus, you just moved into the new place. So I congratulations. Just moved, so everything. So my brain has been like on high stress. It's nice to talk about Revenge of the Sith tonight. <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy. I, I was originally going to do this one last week. And I was like, no, no. I yeah. Need, I need he asked me last so week. And I was like, I'm going to have to say no if it's then because I'm moving. Um. Us, last but certainly not least, we have Luke from Pod One's podcast. Uh, final thoughts and where we can find you. Uh, yeah, I know guys. I ruined one of those. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I, no, I was, I, no, I will not ruin this because you know what? Like, it, it, this show is going to be amazing, and it, it it's, it, it's gonna blow everybody away. Um, final thoughts: Revenge of the Sith. Um, it's it's a it's a classic. Uh, it's one of my favorite moments uh, movies. Um, uh, you can find me at the Pod Ones podcast on TikTok. Uh, 
Pod One's Pod on Instagram and Pod One uh, Pod One's Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we are finishing up season three tomorrow of the Clone Wars, so it's the Ahsoka uh, captured arc. Um, uh, so if you guys want to check us out, uh, we will be doing we will be going to celebration. We're still trying to hash out on whether or not we're going to do a watch along for the first episode of Kenobi or not, or if we're just going to do reactions, whatever. But you guys can find us uh, on YouTube at the Pod Ones Podcast. So uh, thanks, Jocko, for having us uh, or having me on, not us. I I, I get so confused sometimes. <laughs> I'll be at celebration right. too, just on day one though. So yes, awesome, can't wait, love it. Um. And and also you'll you'll be invited to anything else we do around town or or whatnot. So we'll keep you posted. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for for uh, for joining us, Luke. I will have your co-host on Char for something else. Haven't decided what. Need to talk to him. Empire. <laughs> Empire. Empire. That's that's a ways away. But if, if he wants to wait for Empire, like uh, I am waiting for me. for the. Uh, <laughs> For the Umbara arc, um. <laughs> I'm waiting for the droid. Arc. Oh, oh, yes, Umbara. It's closely coming up. It's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sometimes I watch the Umbara arc just to feel something, even if it's pain. <laughs> droid arc. It's all. It's all about the droid arc. <laughs> and that huge voice. <laughs> I have to rewatch the droid arc. I do remember what it is, but we've talked about it so much. I'm just gonna have to go watch it now. I, I, I surreal droid purgatory is a little much for me, but <laughs> but I will I will watch you know uh, the Pod Ones podcast when they get there, especially if they if they get Zampi on there. Yeah, um, so yes. I'm just I'm just saying. Let me know. I'm down. I'm, I'm just awesome. a simp for Rex. I'm a simple woman. I just like Rex. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, anyone who's still in the chat. I really appreciate y'all. Also, please drop a like. I don't see how many likes are on it right now, but uh, anyone, <laughs> all the people that are still here, I just want to do shouts out um, to uh, uh, Keiki, who joined late, uh, as well as my buddy Isaac. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> you can always rewind a little bit. Um, have uh, And you Monty... can watch on 1.5, 1.2 speed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Auntie Obi Wan Denobi, Star Wars Lawyer, thank you, Cal Forer, St. Pat, Escape Reality Films, um, Big Sir, Rhett Griffin, uh, Element Seven, JJ Cat Lady. There's nice, yeah, there's there's so many, there's so many awesome people, uh, just just in the chat. Um, Miss Aggie, always Miss Aggie is just just the best. Um, I yep. follow her everywhere. And yeah, thank you guys so much. You know, uh, on <laughs> on to the next one, and may the force. <laughs>